0: This week's podcast is brought to you by Avast, a global leader in digital security and family safety solutions for network operators and their customers. We live in a truly digital world. Today's consumers don't care whether they're connected on their home Wi-Fi at the mall or on the beach. They expect their providers to protect their online lives at all times. Avast has over 15 years of experience delivering award-winning security solutions to network operators around the world. With over 435 million users globally, their advanced AI security leverages threat data from the world's largest consumer threat detection network. AI-based security is deployed at the device, router, and 5G edge network to provide a comprehensive and fully converged solution for all devices. Consumers enjoy peace of mind wherever they go and however they connect work with Avast to enable a simple, single solution to the complex connected world of tomorrow. Learn more at avast.com/partners. That's a v a s t.com/partners. Welcome to the Light Reading podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. And on the podcast today, I'm joined by Ian Morris. He's Light Readings International Editor, and he's been covering Huawei and the latest uh, measures that the U.S. is taking to try and uh, restrict Huawei's ability to get U.S. technology, um, not just in the United States, but uh, apparently all over the world. Uh, So we'll cover that. We'll also uh, do a bit of scene setting by reviewing what's happened with Huawei and the U.S. entity list. And also we'll talk about uh, how the Chinese government might respond and how this might affect Apple and all kinds of other tech companies as well. Uh, so a lot to unpack here. Uh, it's the U.S. versus Huawei round, I don't know, 15, something like that. And uh, that's all coming up right after the break. We're here with Ian Morris in the UK. Uh, Ian, how's it going? Good, thanks, Phil. Yeah, how are you? Doing well. I'm uh, still uh, socially distancing, even more so than usual. Uh, <laughs> I have to always yeah. add that in for, for yeah. uh, people who know me. They understand that that uh, I was never a big handshake guy anyway, so <laughs> this, is, this is all just fine for me. Uh,
1: yeah. i used to seeing the same members of my family excessively and no one else. So, uh, yeah, it's all just rolling into one long day really. It's,
0: uh... Right. Yeah, it, it, that, that is true. Uh, but the, we, we still do have, uh, uh, you know, thankfully with the market, uh, and, and, uh, people making announcements, we still do have a news cycle of some semblance and, uh, Huawei is back in our news cycle. Um, yeah. Um, so the, you know, I guess I have to go back to, um, I I want to ask you about what's happened lately, but let me go back for a minute and and start off with this, you know, for several years now, for a couple of years at least, Huawei's been labeled as a threat to national security in the U.S. Um, uh, As far as we know, the government hasn't produced a smoking gun. Uh, They've always tried to link telecom gear to somehow allowing the Chinese government to spy on citizens, uh, U.S. citizens. And that's been at the center of the argument for a while. Um, back in May of last year, uh, President Trump uh, put an executive order out where he allowed the Commerce Secretary to ban the import of services from any companies that have ties to foreign governments that are perceived as dangerous to the U.S. So the, the Commerce Department did that. They essentially added Huawei to what's called the Entity List Um, that made it difficult for, uh, U S companies to do business with Huawei. But what U S companies quickly figured out was that, oh, as long as our manufacturing facilities that we're buying, where we're supplying parts to Huawei, as long as they're not physically located in the U S they can still apply for exemptions and do transactions to get gear to Huawei. So they continued to supply gear to Huawei and Huawei just kept right on kicking ass um, you know in the 5g market and all over the world that brings us to roughly to now first of all did I miss anything major and second of all um, what's what's been the latest
1: I think no it's a good update I think it's uh yeah look, they've basically found loopholes in those original export administration regulations I think they call them um, they have had some effects I mean they've they basically um, have put a value, put a number on it. Actually, they say it's about twelve billion in revenues, and mainly at the handset business, because one thing it's done is it's prevented them from uh, being able to use Google mobile services. So they can still right. use uh, a sort of basic version of Android, but they can't use Google's kind of package of software that's that's based around that this um, more sophisticated sort of stuff and applications. Um, and that's, uh, driven them to kind of develop, try and develop an alternative. But in the meantime, it's had a, an impact on the handset business. So they, they say about 10 billion in revenues has gone, uh, on that side of things. And then I'm hmm. guessing 2 billion in the enterprise and the carrier business. I mean, they still grew really impressively last year, but there's obviously been a huge slowdown in the second half of the year. So I think their 2019 revenues are up by about 19%. Um, hmm. And then you can sort of see what's going on if you look at the results for the first three months of this year when they were up by 1%. Now, obviously, it's not been a very good start to the year. We've had all sorts of other nastiness going on, but uh, it's still a really big slowdown. I think this time last year, they reported about 30% growth, something like that, on that level. So it's uh, it's it's seen a much sharper um, slowdown than companies like Ericsson and Nokia, which have always been pretty sluggish in the last few years. Um, yeah. What what's happened today? Which um, there were some reports going around that um, the uh, U.S. authorities were going to ad- adapt these these EAR rules, these Export Administration Regulations, and, and toughen them up essentially. Uh, and then there's a statement out today. Uh, no, I think this is late Friday as well, actually, from the Commerce Department saying that uh, the rules you just described, which which stopped Huawei from being able to access technology made in the US uh, will now mean they can't access technology that that has any kind of US involvement at all. So even if um, US, even if the US has something to do with the kind of manufacturing processes that are being used to to churn out chips, then uh, right. uh, then, then they won't be able to get hold of this. So so what, what it means is it it affects companies like TSMC, massive Taiwanese Foundry um the biggest one in the world supplies yeah. chips to loads of loads of phones i think its biggest customer is actually apple but its second yeah. biggest is huawei and i think um there's a, a couple of analyst companies that have done uh you know have kind of gone through the numbers and tried to estimate what huawei spent with it last year and it looks like about five billion uh us dollars roughly so it's it's a huge supplier to huawei it's got very very sophisticated manufacturing processes quite hard to replace um, mm-hmm. And you know the alternatives aren't really great for them. Apparently, there's there's a couple of Chinese companies. One's called SMIC, but um, it doesn't look ideal because its its its, it's processes just aren't quite as sophisticated. They can't handle some of the things that Huawei wants. So it's in um you know if this if this is implemented to the fullest, you know, letter of the of the rules, then it, it puts Huawei in a really really difficult situation. And when they when they give Had a call about it this morning, they're obviously sounding quite alarmed, a bit worried about what's going on, you know, unwilling to kind of answer specific questions on it. We need to kind of look at what's going on. They've put a statement out, but they're basically saying um we need to have a look at what this means for us. And then there's a lot of the usual kind of um comments about we think this is going to have a, a major impact on the industry as a whole. The US will feel the consequences of this. And and I mean, there's obviously a, you know sort of veiled. You could you could you know if you're a US opponent of Huawei, you could say, "Oh, they're rattling the saber. They're trying to threaten us." But they they do have a point, you know. I mean, this is all going yeah. into a very kind of dark place, really. And uh, I think Huawei is going to probably suffer in the short term, um, but in the long term, it's hard to see really who wins. You know, you can see um, you could see the Chinese government, for instance, responding to what the US is doing with. Uh, with its own, with its own restrictions, with some of its own sanctions, and they might not even be technology right. focused. They could do things like currency devaluation. They could look yeah. at agriculture. So there's all sorts of dark places in it that it can go to. And and I, I just kind of sense, I mean, the worst case scenario for me for Huawei is that it leads to. And it's something that's been happening anyway, really. I think the sort of balkanization of the industry, um, you know, yeah. the, end of, the end of globalization. I mean, it's not just a telecom story now. It's actually a, right. an, an a, a, a economic story. But um, you, you see Huawei perhaps retreat to its domestic market and some friendly Asian and African countries. It shrinks, perhaps, has to lay people off. It struggles to get hold of advanced technology but at the end of the day, the Chinese market is extremely big. You know, they're, um, yeah. they're still responsible for about 60% of Huawei's total revenues. You know, you take that alone, it still makes them a lot bigger than, than most of their rivals. And I just kind of sense that in the long run, they will adapt. They'll, they'll eventually overcome this. I mean, it, it's not going to be as easy for them to bounce back from this one as it was from the stuff that was going on last year, which had already right. prompted them to pump a lot, of, a lot of money, I think a lot more money into R&D. They've done a lot of inventory stockpiling. Uh, this is this is a harder one to to deal with, but I think in the long run they will. And then then there's a question: where's it really got anyone? Um, and yeah. I, and, I, and I, I guess maybe the U.S. aim is to to shut Huawei out of Western markets, and you know, and to kind of lock it out of um, of, of, of European countries that are deemed to be allies. Maybe, maybe there'll be some so i mean there's a there's a separate campaign going on there of course there's there's constantly this pressure on european operators not to use huawei and and that's, there's not there's not any sign that's relaxing either so
0: that's an interesting thing too is that for the us it it became not just uh keep keep them out of the us but it became let's keep them out of all western nations to the extent that we possibly can and i think that's overshadowed uh you know the, the the security argument by a mile. You know it's it's <laughs> it's it's certainly made that it certainly made it look like that security wasn't as big a deal as we thought. You know it's like uh, obviously if they were worried about that they there were controls on that. Um, the end of globalization is definitely a huge concern, and and I think that even the U.S. understands that to some degree because they're they're also at the same time saying that they'll continue or, unless they've changed since. Uh, I think it was since last week the u s is still allowed to talk to Huawei about five g standards, right, or review each other's contributions and things like that on the standards bodies because that's the other thing that I fear might happen is this balkanization where a five g phone only works in your you know in your home country and nowhere else,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah that's interesting i mean it's not something i i i spent uh time going over in in my in my written coverage, but it was a subject mm. of the of the press conference this morning of the sort of press and analyst conference that they've had from from china today um interesting that they've cancelled all of the all of the sessions they were planning to do so they yeah. <laughs> they had about two days worth lined up as as they often do of these round tables and discussions that I've been invited to get involved in. And we had um, one of our freelancers was going to cover some as well, but it's all been cancelled. So it was mm. just it was just this keynote this morning by, uh, I'm going to pronounce his his name badly now, but Guo Ping, who's uh, one of the rotating chairmen. Um, yeah. And then everything else is off. And he, he did say, he, he brought up the standards issue and obviously tried to link that to this and said that, um, you know, the lesson of standardisation over the last 20, 30 years has been that, trying to develop your own standards um and trying to regionalize doesn't work you know the us went down this route i think for a while with things like cdma um yeah ran about the time that europe was perceived to be something of a leader i think in in telecom at the time you know er- companies like ericsson and nokia were flying high then and um you know, certainly getting behind GSM and promoting, you know, wideband CDMA and everything seemed to work in their favour from an economies of scale aspect. And, you know, even China, I think, uh, was trying to do something unique and something homegrown on the 3G side with this weird system, TDSCDMA, which they eventually right. abandoned. And, you know, so 5- 5G really is the first instance, I think. You know, perhaps, I mean, 4G, you still had that that battle going on between LTE and WiMAX. Um you know the yeah. kind of computer industry's efforts, I guess, to try and disrupt telecom to some extent. But you know, so if you take that into account, 5G is really the first the first time we've had really from from the get go a a, a a single global standard. And and now there's this right. concern that it could you know that it could before we get to 6G start to break apart and everybody starts to go back to doing their own thing. And from an equipment makers perspective, that's not really in anyone's interest because we see how much these you know, these companies spend on R&D. We see how, you know, the the kind of resources you need really to do things at an economic cost. So the scale you you need, exactly. So that's the the other message they're trying to push, obviously, that they think this could all lead to a a fairly nasty place on the standards side.
0: Yeah, so that's on the kind of global telecom front. The next big concern of mine in general is, the idea that the Chinese government simply gets involved and says, Hey, you know what, if, if you're going to just, you know, regulate other companies and other countries, you know, with, with your uh, economic might, you know, then, then we'll do the same and they might, you know, uh, stop buying as much U S product. They might, uh, I mean, clearly tariffs don't work. So what, what, what levers the Chinese do have left would include, um, throttling down agricultural uh purchases yeah. uh which w- which would hurt midwest farmers uh doing something to apple or microsoft
1: yeah i think apple's really at risk because they still sell a lot of yeah. iphones in china. it's a massive market for them and whenever it wobbles whenever there's a problem it's always it always shows up in the headline figures and they, they're sort of yeah. counting i think on that coming back after you know china supposedly over the worst of its virus things are open again and you know, yeah. um, uh, and that's a, that's cause for optimism for Apple if that market remains open to it. But if the Chinese decide you can't buy Apple smartphones anymore, then that's um, oh boy. that's a massive impact on one of the biggest US companies there is. So, and then Qualcomm, yeah. I guess, because Qualcomm's chips still, you know, and we know Huawei's been trying to compete in that kind of area in its own devices, but yeah. um, Qualcomm chips still power a lot of smartphones that come. That come out of china that that are sold in china right. um including apple devices you know they had their they had their running with qualcomm and looked like they were trying to move to intel for a while but that that all seems to be done now so that's another company that could be that could be affected um so even just in the tech sector alone there are things that um the chinese could do to cause a lot of pain and then if you look at it beyond the tech sector it's obviously massive and it's it's not just um it's not just the U S that's at risk. I think this is a factor with Europe as well. And one of the reasons perhaps European governments and operators have been uh, reluctant to, um, you know, to move away from Huawei, even though they've come up under a lot of U S pressure to do that. You look at Germany where Huawei is everywhere, it seems in the networks. And yeah, Germany's a massive supplier to the Chinese market in terms of things like uh, machine tooling equipment and automotive parts and cars generally. So, so there are all chocolates. sorts of ways, like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it's quite worrying where it could go. You
0: know. Yeah, that's the thing is they they've, they've uh, so far the U.S. has picked a fight with Huawei, but now they now Huawei seems to be hinting that they that they're picking a fight with the entire country, and yeah. And I, that's that's going to be yeah we'll, we'll we'll wait and see where that goes i don't really know i mean
1: one this. thing i found interesting when the first when this first happened in may you know what you were talking about to begin with phil with the original yeah. export administration regulations is that huawei huawei's and the more the chinese government's response was quite subdued i thought they didn't there was no yeah. sort of and people people sort of said well china's playing the long game they're not going to they're not going to respond in a in a, in a a sort of panicky way and they don't want to get drawn into that game that Trump's trying to play. And they're, they're going to be more considered about this. And perhaps they just it just perhaps they saw the loopholes immediately. I don't know. But perhaps yeah. they realised it wasn't going to be as bad as everybody thought. Whereas this really does seem to be on a different level. The kind of conversation that's taking place around it is much more um is is much more panicked i think there's a there's a kind of recognition that it could really hurt this time so um, i think they
0: delay they delayed they delayed technology inconvenient before and now they've actually threatened to cut it off and that's yeah that's the difference is it's like it's like before they just gave them a paperwork headache and maybe you know some additional uh you know uh shipping cycles to catch up and that sort of thing and like but the other thing that we've done with Huawei, you know, uh, or the US has done with Huawei in terms of its opposition or sort of harassing them about security things and uh, imposing restrictions is that we've encouraged the Chinese to really invest in making Huawei completely self sufficient. Um, yeah, the 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 Google Apps example is a great one because yeah, their 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 user experience probably sucks now that they don't have Google and all, how all the applications work together and work with cloud services, but they will figure out something, you know yeah th- and they'll and they'll continue to improve on it and then they'll every year that goes by they'll need google a little bit less every year and they've got a
1: lot of a lot of developers working on that anyway i can't remember the name of their own system i mean it's hms but the h doesn't stand for huawei it's 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 something else but so uh, they have yeah. they have something like 1.3 million developers at the moment uh working on yeah. on that so that ecosystem is they're trying to obviously grow that and 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 take it somewhere and and they can always fall back on the fact that you know as we were saying earlier the Chinese market itself is just so big that it's it it almost doesn't matter if to some extent if you do get shut out of other parts of the world when you've got a market of a billion people and I mean how many how many 5G base stations are they trying to build this year it's it's crazy it's something like half a million and I I read uh, we we, we wrote some uh, stories recently about T-Mobile in the US and what they're doing with 5g yeah. and, and their target i think for sell sites is about eighty five thousand after the merger with sprint so yeah it's you know the the spending the amount of spending that happens so this is why the western companies are so eager to be in that market and even with a small yeah. share you know ericsson's all of a sudden really bullish about this year and everybody's saying why is ericsson why is ericsson yeah. feeling bullish about this year with everything that's going on and it's simply because it's grown its market share in china by something like one5 and a half percent to have an eleven and a half percent share and that's enough for it to be optimistic that re- that revenues are going to do fairly well it seems because Europe's Europe's going to struggle this year I mean we don't really know about the US the operators are still sounding quite bullish about rollout um, but a yeah. lot of it' a lot of it's just based on what's happening in China
0: yeah so it's it's definitely uh, I mean it's a huge market it uh, and 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 one that once the more it becomes self-sufficient the less it needs us uh, and, 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 European technology or, or, uh, or, you know, or those associations, uh, the, the, the worse off the global economy is, I think, um, and uh, let's leave it there for now. I think we've uh, we've we've covered this uh thoroughly, but we'll we'll uh sit we'll uh, uh, get back in touch as soon as we figure out what the what the next step what is the next in step this is. whole mess. I think
1: one thing we should note maybe before we go Phil, is that it's it's uh I think it's 120 days before it comes into effect. So right. there is there is a long period and, and I know everybody said in the past when these things have done maybe this is some kind of bargaining chip you know it's some kind of bargaining um move and they're trying to get something some concessions out of china and at the moment it's hard to see that being the case because they just keep pushing on with tougher and tougher measures and yeah uh, any any kind of extension that that gets made is really just a sort of sop to u.s companies i think to stop them from feeling too much pain at first but it, it really does look like they're absolutely determined to try and bring this company to its knees
0: Yeah, they've done the different, this is the difference between the, before they were saber rattling, now they're actually jabbing them with sticks. And this is, you know, (laughs) it's a a mark, definitely a difference. Yep. Um, All right, Ian, thanks very much. Okay, thanks, Phil. I want to thank Avast for sponsoring this week's podcast. Smart Life, a fully converged solution for digital security, is deployed at the device, router, and 5G edge network perimeter, enabling their award-winning security solutions to protect your customers' entire digital lives. Together, Avast and partners can build products and services people can trust and will keep coming back to. Let Avast help you build a safer digital world for your customers. Discover more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners. That is it. That's our show. Thanks so much to Ian Morris for his time and insights today. Thanks to Tian Fu, our producer, for making us sound so good even when we don't. And thank you, dear listener. Please do tell a friend to subscribe. And thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast.